Welcome to Calvary Conversations. I'm Sean LePage, Chairman and Professor of Ministry Studies at Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. My guest today is pastor and author Neil Tomba. Neil has been the senior pastor of Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas since 2001. That's 20 years, Neil. Yes, just had the 20 year <laughs> anniversary in May. Yeah, did you guys throw a big party? Yeah, we did. That's cool. Well, Neil has been married to his lovely and obviously very saintly wife, Vila, <laughs> since 1983. You guys must have been uh, what, 14 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they have three adult daughters, one son-in-law, and three grandchildren. Is that still accurate? That is. <laughs> All right. Well, Neil, uh, Pastor Tomba, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sean. It's good to be here and it's good to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil and I uh, went to uh, Dallas Theological Seminary in the in the 1990s, last century. So the reason I've invited Neil onto the program today is not uh, just so we can catch up. We're not going to do that today. Um, uh, but the reason I ha I've invited him to talk with us today is because uh, I just finished reading his book. More accurately, I um, just finished listening to the audiobook version. So, uh, Neil, is this your first book? Sean, this is my first book. My wife has trying, been trying for years, Vila, to get me to write some great book about theology or something from my sermons, and instead I rode my bike across the country and wrote a book about that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was such a, 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 I can't even describe it. I, I just really want to encourage people to get this book. The title is The Listening Road, One Man's Ride Across America to Start Conversations About God. That subtitle is awesome. One Man's Ride Across America to Start Conversations About God. So, So tell us about this book tell us about the whole idea because it really wasn't just a book it was an event wasn't it yes so sean one of the things is really the idea came from this 20 years ago in just my travels in colorado and i'd ride my bike i'd have conversations with people about real life faith things that matter and one day after just riding around seeing people i thought i want to someday ride my bike across the country. And I would tell Vila every once in a while, hey, and you can follow me in our SUV. And she'd be like, you're crazy. And then our church just a few years ago, we started having a church-wide conversation and it was like we admitted to each other, we've all been believers a long time. We're not having conversations about faith, God or Jesus when Jesus himself said, go into all the world. And this sense that everybody was scared. And this is pre-COVID and all the political stuff and race stuff that has gone on recently. And so I, um, our church said, we're going to pursue a vision of having thousands of surprisingly easy to start conversations about Jesus all over our city. And that gave me the impetus, the energy, the just courage to say, I'm going to do this dream as a way to be a part of our vision of our church. 
and so you you went out and did this. You started out in in Santa uh, Monica, California. Santa Monica. Rode to Annapolis, Maryland. Had a team of ten people. Two other people that rode with me. Seven people that helped us with our gear, our luggage, our organizing, and three two three people that were part of a film crew. Uh, a professional videographer, his assistant, and somebody driving that car, which happened to be my SUV, and it still hasn't been the same since. Um, and we took off on this journey together. And here's the great thing, Sean. We actually made it all together. We didn't, like, destroy one another in the midst of this. <laughs> I couldn't have created a bigger endurance event. I love endurance events. It was all day, every day, 100 miles a day riding multiple conversations a day, all the logistics, all the unloading and loading every day. And it was really amazing the number of conversations we had. Yeah, I was I was just looking at the um, at the table of contents on the book, you know, several chapters here really uh, strike me as, you know, the chapter titles um, just kind of strike me as really key to the to the whole idea, because this is not just like a like a stunt to sell a book. This is this is you're you're teaching in this book. You're teaching people. You're showing people because it's like reading a novel is what it's like. I mean, it's it's uh, just again. I just think it's a really creative idea. But you're 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 teaching people how to have a conversation with somebody, you know, who who just isn't even on the same page with them worldview wise or faith wise. Correct? Yes. And you know, Sean. I was teaching and I was also doing something I loved doing, going out and having those conversations, being curious, kind and respectful. And I was really trying to do something that I believe the average person could do because, you know, Sean, this hit me after. Historically, most of what we call evangelism training. Is geared toward people who have the gift of evangelism, and that could be a whole nother episode we could do. And really, I said this, I'm going to leave every conversation in such a way that I could have a second conversation because that's what most uh, people have to do that are going to work, that are going to parks. They're going to see these people again, right? right How did right. I get started? And so that's what I was doing. So as I, as even if you just look at the title, but but as I'm looking at these chapter titles, you know, a listening presence, uh, the art of listening. Um, so listening is a just a really key idea here, the listening road. But then you also, you know, subtitled it, you know, uh, how to basically, you know, you're doing this to start conversations with people about God. So uh, let me just ask first of all about listening, um, and you know, why Why do you think listening is such an important thing to emphasize right now? Yeah. You know, Sean, it just hit me. I haven't said this in any other podcast or setting. We didn't set out to write a book entitled The Listening Road. I didn't know what the title was going to be. Mm. That really came out of our trip. And he, here's one of the things why I think it is so important people automatically assume the way conversations have been set up in politics, race, religion, whatever it is, that when you are entering a conversation with somebody, if 
there's going to be a difference of opinion and there will be that's what they assume the job is to try to talk over the other person win the argument um and all those kinds of stances are not actually what i'm ever trying to do when i'm trying to talk to people about jesus i'm not trying to win an argument i'm not trying to talk over another person i'm actually in trying to engage this person's mind and heart and in, introduce them to somebody who has changed my life somebody i love and i'm, I'm not going to force him on them yeah um Exactly. I think I, I think um, you know one of the things that I really loved about the book was was how well you had documented some of these conversations, and you showed us, I think, really the value of listening to somebody, even if you think of it strategically, like say in evangelism, uh, listening to what 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 is it they actually believe? Where are they? What where is their mind? Right? Isn't that part of the the, the art of listening? Yes, Sean, I'll say two things on that. One, it was fascinating how many people we ask if we could talk. And the first thing they said is, I don't have time because they're on guard, right? Just like in our real lives. It's like everybody. <laughs> when they were convinced that we were serious about being kind, curious and respectful, and I really wanted to listen to their story, even if I didn't get to tell my part, I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the conversation they'd say, hey, do you have time for one more story? <laughs> and the other thing on this listening, it's fascinating what you said, Sean, about to know where they are, what what they really need to hear about Jesus, because when you go to the Gospels, the life of Jesus and go to the book of Acts, you see that it wasn't a. Jesus going out with three points or four points, those are helpful, don't get me wrong, but it was Jesus kind of connecting with people where they are. And so, Sean, one of the things that I tried to do, and this developed over time, even before the trip, is I was listening to where I could agree with someone. Mm. Instead of just the stereotypical, and I, as a pastor, sometimes I want to say, that is not right. Let me tell you the truth. But so I'm talking to a guy one time about, he was telling me about his mom, and he used this thing. He talked, started talking about the, how the righteous suffer. And he's totally not a believer. And he said, you know, it's like the book of Job. <laughs> and I and I didn't correct him. And I just listened. And Sean, I found myself wanting to defend God, but I just listened. When I got to the cash register, he was the manager. I said, hey, Nick, let me tell you this. You know, it makes that book of Job even worse. God brought up Job's name to Satan. And so instead of kind of standing outside and saying, hey, let me tell you about God, I got in the well with him in the tension point that we all feel about the mystery of suffering. And so in that kind of well, right, we were we were speaking as two human beings that have a common experience of why is there suffering in the world and then having an opportunity to have his ear to talk to him instead of him on guard of he's disagreeing with me that this is hard. That's that's really helpful, Neil, and I, I want you to I want you to talk a little bit more about that that tension that, that you that you just mentioned about 
you know, how you, you want to correct. And th this came up several times throughout the book that you, you, uh, your, your goal was to listen. Your goal was to, to, to have a conversation with people about God, but yet there were times when you desired to correct and teach and, and evangelize. Um, so, so talk a little bit more about that and, and just the, 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 the prioritization, if you will, of listening over boldly proclaiming the truth. Because I think a lot of people would say that uh, there's, there, you know, in some cases there's, there's too much emphasis on listening and giving everyone a voice and, and, you know, the, the responsibility that the, the genuine responsibility that Christians have to boldly proclaim the truth. Talk about that a little bit more. Yes, Sean. And I would say this, that most of that pressure is self-imposed as far as I'm concerned, self-imposed. And it's not thinking well theologically. When I, I became a believer through crew, and when I was a young believer, one of the first things I learned was successful witnessing or evangelism or conversations was taking the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to who? To God. To God. And a lot of my, for me, a lot of my tension is, it's, it's really this thought that I'm going to say the thing that's going to cause this person's life to be changed. And we know that we've all heard, even as believers, lots of good information. We still have areas of our life that are out of balance or are in sin and apart from the Holy Spirit working. So some of that for me is simply saying, God, you're the one here, not me. I don't have to say anything. Or, or let me say it this way. I don't have to say everything. And so just really backing off of that idea, which can be really hard. And then there's the other thing, Sean, if we're just brutally honest in our culture today, we all want to be right. We all want to everybody hear our opinion and we want to be right. And that drives us also. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I and I don't want to camp on this the whole time but but you know i i i uh you know i have two different uh, voices in my head here you know like we are a people of proclamation so mm -hmm. so so you're not saying uh, never proclaim the gospel of course right um and and so balance that for me a little bit more um uh, when, when do we get to yeah. the proclamation let me say this, Sean, because this um, this is what I forgot to say that I was digging for is that often historically evangelism training has been created by evangelists for evangelists, and then we put it on the average person. Our evangelism training tends to be, okay, here's the sales pitch. Here's the two, three, or four points to summarize the gospel, and you're looking for a person to say yes or no. And we're only thinking about that as the proclamation. When if you just read the gospels, if you read the life of Jesus, the early church, 
I would say even the book of Romans, where we often take two or three points, that was our kind of modern day method of telling about Jesus and his work. Where I think the proclamation comes and the listing and how you balance these things is my goal is get to have a robust conversation about Jesus and what he did for us and what he did for the whole world. But when I'm not trying to get it into two or three points, for me, it opens up a listening that sometimes allows me to practice what Jesus did when he went to a woman at the well. And he didn't have to listen because he already knew, right? Or what Paul did at Athens, he's watching. Who knows how long Paul was there watching what was happening? People coming, worshiping this unknown God. He might have stood there for two hours. He, he was there long enough to see what was happening before he spoke up and said, hey, guys, I've got some thoughts for you. And then when he gave the thoughts, he didn't even he never got to the two or three point outline, not in that situation. Yeah. So, so I want you to know, Sean, I am looking, but I'm looking for. Where their story overlaps with God's story, with Jesus's story. And so when I'm at this restaurant and I've been listening to this lady who's been serving me, doing a wonderful job, and I asked her, hey, is this thing on the menu? How is it? She looks at me and she says, it's not very good. <laughs> and I was kind of taken aback, Sean, but I had listened to her enough to know she wasn't very well versed on Christianity. And when she said that, I said, hey, um, friend, can I say something to you right now? I'm blown away by your um, just speaking truth here in a moment. Because most people wouldn't do that. And just how you have served me and then speaking truth. It reminded me of what the stories of Jesus in the Bible say. You know, the Gospels are the stories of Jesus. Don't know if you've ever heard of that. It says Jesus came in grace and truth. You just reminded me of Jesus coming in grace and truth. Sean, she says to me, I'm going to think about that all day. <laughs> wow. She was on her break. She went on her break. Somebody else came. 20 minutes later, she came back. She goes to me, you know what? I have been thinking and telling everybody what you just told me. <laughs> that Jesus came in grace and truth. And I was giving you grace and truth here as I was serving you. <laughs> that's, a, that's great. So that's great. did I proclaim it? I mean, I proclaimed some stuff there, right? But it came yeah. in a context just having listening and experiencing and waiting long enough for that moment. You know, it also occurs to me as you're saying all that is, is that if we if we're not feeling tension, then we're doing it wrong. You know, like so if you if you are just so quick to to uh, proclaim uh, the truth, pro even proclaim the gospel um, that, that you're that you're just completely unconcerned with listening to the other person, you've gone to a wrong and unhealthy extreme. And if you go to the other extreme where all you're concerned about with, all you're concerned with is listening and 
and never uh, concerned with speaking the truth, then you've gone to another uh, very unhealthy extreme. So there, there's always going to be a tension there, right? You know, um, and and so uh, that that's that's just uh, the nature of the the, the task and it is to 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 find that that proper um, balance, I guess, between between uh, you know the the relationship and 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 studying someone and listening to them as well as uh, trying to lead them to Jesus. And Sean, let me just say one more thing. And I think for me, where the tendency is going to be is in an instant society to jump in too fast. You know, yeah. we think if I've listened to someone for 15 minutes, now it's my time to talk, right? We think that's been ages. And then you dump on this other thing, kind of a, you know, a mass production society. And so one of the things that we've, a word we've used a lot of in evangelism that I've been challenging myself on is expediency. I got to get after it and get it done fast to get yeah. Jesus to come back. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it also acknowledges that that people are on a journey, right? You know, uh, they they you know they may um, just really seriously not be ready to hear uh, everything that we have to say to them, um, but but maybe we can help move them a couple of clicks toward. Uh, faith in Christ, right? Maybe, maybe that's just uh, uh, like like you you said. You know the the example you gave of the woman who spoke uh, with grace and truth. You know, um, maybe you moved her a couple of clicks toward uh, to really uh, reexamining uh, Christ and Christianity, huh? For her, it might have been just thinking about it when she never thinks about it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Another thing that I saw in the book uh, that I heard over and over was. You're really good at asking questions, you know, and I don't know if you just, you know, uh, wrote the book in such a way that it made you look like you're really good at asking questions. So. <laughs> um, but there are lots of examples, you know, uh, that we could we could look at there. Um, I, I remember one uh, you you said to someone, I'm curious when I say Jesus, you, you had already been in a conversation with I believe it was with a, a Christian and, and Jewish couple. And you said, I'm curious, when I say Jesus, what do you think? Uh, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a really great question in, that, in, that, in the midst of that conversation. So for those of us who aren't good at coming up with questions uh, on the spot, you know, on the fly, what are some, some tips you would give for, for people to, to, to ask good questions? Okay, so my first word, you said it. Am I truly curious? like really work on being curious. So if I'm asking a question, just fishing to get somewhere, those usually aren't good questions, right? People feel led, I'm, I'm leading them. But if I'm truly curious and I'm then open, who knows where this conversation might go? There was three guy, young guys I was talking to in this little town and they were like these tight friends. I found out they'd been friends all their life. And I'm like, man, y'all, I'm kind of amazed at your relationships of 24-year-old 20, guys in this little town. And I just kept being curious. And then one of the guys says, um, 
I said to them, because they, they, they're, one of the dads was a pastor and all the guys decided they didn't believe. And I was really curious. He had a pastor for a dad. I said, what would it take? What would God have to do? What would Jesus have to do for you to believe in him? Sean, he said the most amazing thing. He said, well, I guess he would have to come here in corporeal form. And I was like, 24-year-old guy who doesn't believe in Jesus says he's got to come here in corporeal form. I said, dude, where did you get that word from? Do you know that's a word that's a theology word that you learn in seminary? I said, that's a brilliant word. Where did you get the word from? He goes, from one of my video games. <laughs> and Sean, we, I got to share about the Bible, about, you know, how we believe other people came because of just a few documents like Caesar. And it was amazing. But it was really, I was truly curious. The, the other thing on being curious, this is required is like really being fully present. I, I'm here with you right now. And I'm not going anywhere. I went to the cleaners not long ago and I asked this lady, how can I pray for you? And she was kind of like, what? Kind of shoved me off. And when I asked it in my heart, I was kind of in a rush. I wasn't really expecting her to answer. And all of a sudden I kind of self-corrected. I said, what are you doing, Neil? Are you serious or not? And I got really present and Sean, I looked her in the eye and I said, I'm sorry. Is there any way I can specifically pray for you today? Sean, she starts telling me about her kids. Every time I go in there now, it's like a completely different relationship I have with her. Be curious, be really present. And, and I would say this, don't think about the end game. Try, don't, my daughter Natalie would tell me this when we, we were stretching together. She we used to take these stretching classes and she said, dad, don't end game it. You're just trying to see how, if you can touch your toes, just stretch. And the freedom, again, taking the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving results to God. If, if, I, if I'm not concerned about, is this person going to trust Christ with me or not? How far am I going to get? How much am I going to talk about Jesus? I, I, I just, I'm hoping that we get to have a second conversation. It just opens up my, my creativity in the question. Hey, I'm curious. What? What do you think about Jesus? Or what would it take for you to believe in Jesus? You know, when I'm not, I'm not trying to devise a path. And so I think, Sean, part of it is in being curious and being present and not endgaming it, maybe that's setting our own hearts for letting the Holy Spirit guide us. You know, the other thing that strikes me, Neil, um, is that you, you genuinely seem to love and care about people. And I think that would be another important factor in there, you know, being curious and being present um, is, you know, do we really care about people, you know, uh, or, or are we just trying to trying to uh, uh, accomplish, uh, you know, accomplish the mission 
if I can use that in the most negative way possible, you know, um, or, or do we really care about this person in front of me, you know? For um, God so loved the world. Yeah, the love. motivation for the gospel was love. Yeah. That's a good word, Sean. Um, well, we, we, we try to keep these conversations at around 26 minutes for, because, because that's the average American commute, but uh, so we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time, but just real quickly, t tell me what you want people to get out of this book. What, for you, what would be success, uh, somebody coming away from this book? I guess there would be lots of, lots of things that could define success, but, but what, what, what comes to your mind? Let me give you one, Sean, that people would believe where God has me is where Jesus is, that every interaction you have, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You realize everywhere you go, people have an opportunity to touch, smell, taste, experience Jesus in some way. That's the mystery of what's happening in you. And coming out of that, you would believe I could have a conversation with somebody. I could enter into a conversation. That simple. Because most people, Sean, in our church, we took a survey. They said, we are not having conversations about faith, God, Jesus. That you, if you thought, I don't have to end game it, don't have to get somebody to pray with me. I just want to go out there, be curious, be present, and begin to talk about the things that matter most to them and to me. And Jesus does. That's good, Neil. I, I always love talking with you, Neil, and I uh, I hope we can do it again soon. In fact, I'd really love to hear more about the uh, the Northwest Community Center, uh, which is Northwest Bible Church Dallas's uh, refugee ministry, of course. Um, <clears throat> I'd love to do that, but uh, we're we're definitely out of time for this edition. But um, thank you so much for for joining me today and sharing uh, your ideas and and your example and just your your wisdom. Uh, uh, just from many years of, of ministry and, and, and loving on people. Thank you, Sean. I, I, you can tell I get excited every time I'm answering a question. It's awesome <laughs> to get to do this. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who have been listening to this conversation, I strongly encourage you to, to go find uh, Neil's book. It's called The Listening Road. And um, you can find it on Amazon. Where else can they find that, Neil? You know, that'd be the best place, easiest place to go, Sean. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, okay. go get it and, and listen to it or read it and uh, just soak it up. It's, uh, it's, it's a great read. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.